And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite-free. You see this? A family watching baseball on DirecTV with no satellite dish in sight. Let's heckle them. You call that changing the channel? Choke up on the remote, buddy. I hope getting all these games on DirecTV makes up for your mother not pre-chewing your sunflower seeds. DirecTV has the most MLB games. Visit DirecTV.com. Claim based on total games offered on national and regional sports networks with choice package or higher. Availability of RSNs varies by zip code and package. High-speed internet service required. Terms and restrictions apply. As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10, place your first bet on any game, and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager. It's not about me I'm only here for a minute and I know that I can't fix it I can help even just a little bit Won't you let me try Hello and welcome to the latest Laz and Powers podcast here on The Athletic. Uh, I am Mark Lazarus, joined by Scott Powers, both of The Athletic. We are, of course, socially distancing, uh, doing this remotely and running out of things to talk about. How you doing, Scott? Good. I wonder how many miles apart we actually are. It's more than six feet. It is definitely. I know. I know it's thirty-four miles each way to the United Center from my house. So, and you're yeah, on the I'm north about, side. I'm so about like five or six miles from there. So. I would say you're probably about a forty-mile drive from where I am. So I think we're safe. We're safe. We're safe today. <laughs> we are. Uh, I think this is day fifteen of uh, of everyone's quarantine. And uh, how how you holding up so far? Yeah, it's. Uh, I don't know. Some of it. It feels normal just because I think working from home is uh, something that, you know, at least for the off season for us is pretty common. So, mm-hmm. like, in some respects, I'm, like, prepared for this. And then other ways, like, now my wife's working from home and the kid's home from daycare. So there's those new obstacles. But I uh, I don't know. I, I feel like during the off season, there's days where I don't see the outside. So this doesn't feel <laughs> much different. At time, you know, like, I, I, I agree. It's weird, you know, because, yeah, we spend the off, like in the off season, I'm basically a stay at home dad. Uh, who writes from time to time, and that's basically what I'm doing now. My wife's working from home now. Like I said, that's a little different. That I, if anything, that makes it easier. But so yeah, this doesn't feel that strange, except for the fact that you know we're not popping out to the movies or going to fun flatables or just even going. To, you know, the, the the local park is it's it's got police tape all over it, and there's yeah. police tape on the basketball hoop. So you know, we we take the dog for a walk on the bike trail, and that's about all we do. But yeah, I almost feel guilty about how not abnormal this feels so far. <laughs> Talk to me again in six weeks, but 
Yeah, it's uh, we've been taking uh, just walks up and down our, our street and um, and it's been pretty, pretty bare, which has been nice. But the uh, my wife took the, the two year old uh, a couple of days ago and there were a couple of women, uh, maybe in their 20s on their doorstep and they were listening to music and um, Maeve, my daughter, was all interested in it. And then they sing her a, a Frozen song and dance and all these things. And it just it was kind of one of those nice, like cool neighborhood things, you know, you kind of see going around, you know, even people driving by with their, their teachers and. Um, you kind of sometimes to see the good good part of life too. Yeah, our school it, our school did a uh, teachers parade where all forty teachers in the school drove their cars throughout the whole neighborhood, and everyone just got to like sit on their porches and wave and see you know so the kids could see their teachers and the teachers could see their kids. It was really cute. Yeah, and and, and then on the other hand, people seem to be hoarding the cornbread. So we, I uh, yeah, that's happy. a weird one. I've, I've had to go grocery <laughs> shopping a few times, and you know, there's obviously no toilet paper. There's pretty much no paper towels, which I'm worried people are using as toilet paper. Um, <laughs> and you can't find flour anymore. And, and based on my Facebook feed, every single person I know is on a baking binge. So I guess that's understandable. But you know, you can still get meat. You can still go to the deli. You can still get what you need, breads and stuff like that. So it's not too terrible just yet. Yeah, yeah, for sure. What we don't have um, is any hockey, which is really kind of getting old now. No, no. So I, I I think the main attraction today is that, that we do our, our favorite movies, but might as well talk about as little hockey as we we have. Um, have you been watching it's, the it's old been, Hawks games on uh, on on NBC Sports Chicago at all? Uh n- not much. No. Um, I've I've kind just, of been like you know they had the they had the twenty uh, NBC the main NBCSN had a uh, had the twenty ten and twenty thirteen Cup winners back to back the other day and. I, I, I kind of watch some of it. It's I can't watch old games. Uh, MLB Network last night, uh, we're doing this on Sunday, on Saturday night, had game six of the NLCS, Mets-Astros. Like, I read a book about that one game, and it's called The Greatest Game Ever Played. It was it really is one of the greatest games ever. And I can't do it. I can't watch a game when I know what the outcome's going to be. I'll just tune in for the end, see the exciting bit, but I can't like watch the seventh inning of a game from 30 years ago. I, I, can't, I, I don't know what it is. I can't do it. I, I can't do it with hockey as much, maybe just because we watch so much of it. And then uh, I, I think baseball right now in, intrigues me just because I was excited about the season. And, you know, I just uh, I live so close to Wrigley and even walk by it now at times. And, yeah, I don't know. I um, I can find myself watching an old baseball game. Um, basketball, yeah I, yeah, I don't know. I don't I don't not as much in NFL and uh, just some of the sports when like NFL is like it's slow, so slow moving at times, you know, or um, I guess I guess even baseball in that respect. But um yeah, I don't. I, I don't find myself like wanting to watch old games as much, or you know, we haven't uh, we haven't dove too much into it. I know a lot of people across the site have kind of written more about the older games, and you know, we've had enough to get by. Um, you know, at some point, I know we have some story ideas, but I, I just I'm not there yet, where I'm like I'm desperate to write about the past. Or obviously, we've been doing the 2010 kind of catch up series, and we have the Dave Boland uh, Q and A coming out. This yeah, we've Monday, always but... trafficked trafficked in nostalgia pretty well. Yeah, for sure. But yeah, yeah, yeah I did, I'm, the, I'm the same with you. I did watch the Kerry Wood 20 strikeout game on ESPN on Saturday. That was cool to rewatch. I remember watching that uh, when it happened live, and it was it, 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 it's it's still just an amazing game to watch. And then I forgot that that was his fifth start ever. And you know, and you hear Chip Carey, who for not not at all one of my favorite announcers, couldn't really stomach him. But it was it was funny. Like we're gonna be seeing this almost every five days for the next twenty years. It's like, well, maybe not, but. It was a really good game. It's the best pitch game I ever yeah, saw. It was pretty good for a bit there, though. It was funny because yeah, when you tweeted sure. about it, I we were, we were both in college at that point. So I remember waking up. I was at Indiana and waking up for a nap, and it was like the fifth or sixth inning and then catching the last few innings. And I uh, I think it was later that season where I got a credential and I interviewed Kerry Wood and then 
Kevin Ory was an IU grad, so I talked to him too. But um, yeah, I, yeah, I just I remember that game was just distinctly just from where I was, and it was kind of neat, just like you know having I mean, we were both in college at the point, and just how uh, yeah how and even yeah, I saw other people kind of tweeting underneath yours and just their own experiences where they were when that game played. Yeah, it's more fun to talk about those games than it is to actually rewatch them. I think. Yeah. Like it's fun to it's fun to write about the 2010 playoffs or the 2013 playoffs to to talk to the players who lived it, but I just I just can't watch. The whole point of sports is the drama, the uncertainty, the unknown, and I can't watch a game when I know what's going to happen at the end. I, I just want to just 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 get to the ball going through Buckner's legs. I don't need to watch the whole t- uh, ten innings leading up to it. You know. Love to get you some like classic AHL games so you can uh, you know like you just, you're, you're unsure of the result. <laughs> I definitely wouldn't know the result, then. you would probably know every <laughs> detail about it. So what what do you uh, think is uh, I, 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 one thing I do want to talk about is I think the NHL needs to just cancel the regular season. They need to do it now. Um, it's just there are too many people whose livelihoods are being affected by this. I mean, never mind the fact that it's not realistic that they're actually going to play. They're, they're not going to play any regular season games. They're probably not going to play any playoff games. But the regular – what are you, you're going to bring the Detroit Red Wings back from you know Sweden or whatever to play five games in front of 20 people to play out the string and risk injury? Uh, there are so many people who have tickets who aren't getting refunded because the games are not canceled. They're postponed. You have workers in places like Boston where Jeremy Jacobs is just like Monty Burns up in his tower withholding money from people. Uh, you just have to cancel the regular season. It's not fair to so many people to basically hold their money hostage like this and when there's no hope of them ever getting it. they got to cancel it. If you can get a playoff in in August and September, I don't see it happening, but cool, let's do that. And if it's a 2014 with one-game plans, whatever crazy shit you want to do, this is the season to do crazy shit. I think everyone's going to kind of accept that. But you have to cancel the rest of the regular season now because you're affecting people. People are out of work, and they've got money tied up in like a hockey game. That's never going to get played. They need that money now, and the NHL has to do the responsible thing and just cancel it. I, I just don't know if they see it in that respect. You know, like I was talking to uh, someone within the league yesterday, and – and and they thought the league is going to do whatever it can to get the playoffs in at least. You know, there, there's so much money that's tied up into the yep. uh, into the whole league and w- what the salary cap is next year and and you know just the finances that I don't think they see it the way we see it. Or you know, this way they're even thinking, well, the fans only have five or six games that their money's tied up in these games. It's not like it's you know half a season where it might be a different story. So I, I'm not sure the league sees it the way that we may see it or. Um, you know, just the ordinary ordinary person sees it. So I think for the league, they're just thinking, you know, we have nothing, you know, nothing to lose here to delay it a few months. And um, yeah, I, I, don't, I don't see any reason why you'd have the regular season at this point unless it's really to decide those final few spots. And uh, I mean, you have a large enough sample size. Obviously, it's going to suck for a few teams who are on that, you know, on that borderline. And then you know, just go teams. 18, 20 teams, 24 teams, whatever you want to do to make it reasonable. I think everyone's willing to accept for this one year, it's going to be weird and just open yeah. the door and have all kinds of crazy systems. I'm fine with all of it. I want to see it. I want to see, you know, one game play-ins to a best of three series to a bet. Let's just go crazy. But the, the, the regular season's a fantasy right now. And even if you, you were, we were to get it back, what are the LA Kings going to draw? What are the Detroit Red Wings going to draw? Who's going to want to go to these games? Who's going to want to play in these games? What kind of quality are these games going to be? It's just well, irresponsible at this point. 
Yeah, you know what the funny thing is? I, I think all those games may actually draw a lot of people because I think if, if you had those things as an avenue to to get out and do something, I, I think people are everywhere be desperate for hockey. And even regardless if you're in a, you know, in a, in a town where you have a losing team or a team that's not going to make the playoffs, like you may have, you might see full buildings early on for some of these teams that probably weren't even drawing that well when, when play ended. Um, but but there's got to be a there at some point there has to be a line right like it um, even now like players don't take a lot of off seasons off you know maybe they'll stop skating for a month maybe two but but now you have guys skating year round and now all of a sudden you know it's already been two weeks and and most of these guys haven't skated you know and and you know for the foreseeable future no one's gonna be skating and like what's realistic for the, for them to get back up to speed and you know be the same type of players they were and. Um, it, this is a whole new, you know, whole new world for a lot of these guys who are used to training year round and used to skating most of the year round. And then all of a sudden you're saying, you know, let's have a mini training camp and then throwing them into regular season or playoff, or I mean, God forbid for playoff games that really matter. Like, I, I just don't know what the realistic part of that is where it's, where, where it's competitive and, and, and safe for athletes. How, how do you see uh, the really only the, the biggest uncertainty at this point? Cause I, I I mean, maybe I'm delusional, but I'm pretty certain there's not going to be any hockey rest, the rest of this season. What do you think they do yeah. with the draft, um, which is obviously a, a topic near and dear to the Blackhawks' hearts because they're the, I think, eighth or ninth worst team in the league right now, so they have a good chance of a good, a good pick. Um, when, when, the, when the season got canceled in 0405, they had this really crazy convoluted thing where it was based on like recent success over the past three years, and Sidney Crosby went to Pittsburgh. Um, and a lot of people were pissed about that around the league. Uh, how do you, how do you foresee them figuring out a draft order, given what we've got right now? It's gotta still be a lottery, and, and you still, I mean, not that you're rewarding a team that's bad, but at this point, teams like Detroit and Ottawa, they've, um, I mean, they put themselves in the spot for specific reasons, you know, like, um, especially teams that have acquired a lot of draft picks, and you know, trying to prepare for the future and. Um, you, you know, if you're looking for some more of that parity and you're looking for some of these markets like, you know, Detroit that, uh, uh, that have been, you know, quality hockey markets in the past. And I, I guess the take the rug underneath them doesn't seem so fair. And so, yeah, I don't, I don't know. I, I, I tend to think that, you know, maybe it's not fair across the board, but the teams that, that were awful and that were near the bottom probably deserve a better chance of those top picks and, you know, a chance and opportunity to, uh, to build up, um, it just it seems weird like all of a sudden if it's uh you know if it's tampa bay or someone's falling in the top five pick or or, or how that works out or um because i mean we played such so much of the season that we, we had an idea i mean we had a large enough sample right. size to say who was good and who wasn't um you know who's bad and it's uh i think it'd be so much different if this was you know game 30 or game 40 even but you know i mean we're, we're toward the end here so i i think at this point you, you have to kind of go by the points percentage and just say that it is what it is, and we get that that you know maybe some teams are going to be upset about this, but um, I, I think that's what's fair. I mean, you, you've played that much of a season, and it it does count still to to some extent. They've already canceled the uh, the combine in Buffalo, and the actual draft itself in Montreal is not going to happen, which made many a sports writer cry because uh, we were looking forward to that four night party in uh, in one of our favorite cities. Um, I guess they'll do it like an online draft. They'll do it like you know, it, it won't be all 31 GNs under one roof, uh, which is part of the fun of the NHL draft. It's the only draft that really does it that way where, you know, you actually see the GMs get up and go over and talk to each other. And then three minutes later, a trade is announced. That's one of the most fun parts is, you know, speculating whether they're talking about their kids hockey game or if they're actually making a trade when, you know, Stan Bowman and Doug Wilson are talking in the corner. Uh, so we won't have any of that kind of drama. It'll be interesting to see how this all plays out and, 
and uh, and and I, I don't know. We're we're just it, all of this is just kind of uncharted territory right now. They canceled the awards. They've canceled everything basically, uh, and we're just in this holding pattern. Do you have the draft in June still? If you're still in that holding pattern, or do you push it back to the fall? Uh, is that fair to the junior teams that are losing kids and maybe potentially? Uh, it's it's crazy right now. All the uncertainty that that uh, Gary Bettman, Bill Daly, and the owners have to figure out. I was talking to an agent yesterday, and you know, I asked him about his own. You know, he had a bunch of players going in the draft this year, and I asked him, you know, what's he telling them? And he said that they're trying to tell their kids that you know, work with their local trainers and whoever trained them, and. Um, actually go over the scouting combine stuff like these are the drills that you want to be practicing and these are the things you want to be doing because um, I think they kind of the the hope is for them is that there, there'll still be a combine that returns and because I, I think a lot of teams do like the, the whole like you know the whole scouting process wasn't all done with you know a lot of them um, you know the seasons are over with and they go to the Memorial Cup and um, you know I, I think the they put a lot of stock in and, how these guys play in the playoffs yeah yeah and then even you know some of those testing and you know the Blackhawks have their own little scouting combine usually and uh, you know held in Chicago and uh, I think a lot of teams do that too so yeah I think it's it's you know these guys are doing the scouting year round Mark Kelly and his staff have been out and you know they've been doing it all year round but they also uh, toward the end here, they, 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 you know, a lot of their opinions are made and then, you know, they get to see them up close and, and, um, you know, you did a story last year kind of too, about how, uh, you know, how they're even looking at these players athletically and, um, you know, psychologically and, and all that goes into it too. So yeah, it's, it's, I feel like it's incomplete and, um, yeah, it's, it's such a difficult, difficult thing in this sport, especially where you're projecting, um, you know, a lot like, uh, you know, in, in basketball and uh, NFL, you, you have a little better idea where these kids are going, but, you know, you know, hockey and, and baseball and such, you're, you're projecting so much that um, all those things matter a little bit more than, than a few of those sports. Yeah, it's going to be weeks of talking about this, so uh, let's talk about, you want to talk about movies this week. Um, you, uh, you Honestly, you, I've been really calm and chill this whole quarantine. I'm not freaking out. I've been good. I've been you know, <laughs> level-headed about this. And then you say, let's do our top 10 movies. And I had like a panic attack. I, I couldn't do it. I couldn't figure out, like, where do I slot in the movies that I love but that I know objectively are bad? You know, we had this whole Rocky Four discussion on Twitter over the weekend, how it's one of my favorite movies ever, even though I know it's terrible, but I love it. <laughs> so uh, I convinced you, let's we, break we it down a... by category. Did, did we want to look at any of the, uh, the questions we had? Uh, I don't think we really had any. <laughs> Nobody, okay. you know, people, Somebody, I, I haven't, I haven't listened to. And... I haven't listened to yet, but Jonathan Taze was on uh, John Scott's podcast. Yeah, and, I, uh... I read the comments there, and it, everyone's you know trying to parse the words. I don't think you know people want people want to make a big deal out of like he's is he taking a shot at Jeremy Colleton and this that. I think did you that, listen to it? I didn't listen to it. I I, I read a, I read a quick summary of what he said. Okay. Uh, so this is secondhand. I mean, it was quoted, so it was allegedly what he actually said. But um, I don't know. You know, Taves is always pretty open about the fact about how how his role in the leadership in, in that room has changed a lot over the years. From I don't think it's necessarily about going from Joel Quenville to Jeremy Carlton as much as it is from going to this experienced team that grew up together to integrating new faces year after year after year, getting younger and younger and younger, and how you change as a, as a leadership group that way. Um, so I don't know how inflammatory it was. People are always looking for something inflammatory, especially this time of year. But I, I don't know if there's that much there. Taves is so circumspect with how he speaks and what he says that, you know, it can be interpreted a lot of different ways. But he's not the kind of guy who's just going to say, go out there and throw his coach under the bus at all. Yeah. Um, I, I know someone asked about Stan Bowman compared to other general managers in the last five years. And 
I don't think I have enough of a you know general. Obviously, the Blackhawks have have made the playoffs, so I mean, some of it's got to be evaluated on that. Um, you know, I, I think these last five years haven't been the greatest for, for Stan Bowman, and uh, but I think it's the full picture, and I think that's what John McDonough is often taking into account is what he's what he did to help win win those cups, and um, and also you know kind of sort of weighing uh, the cap situation and um, and all those things. So yeah, I, I don't you know I I know a lot of people often ask about you know drafting and signing free agents and um i guess often we you know we're pretty um, specific on what stan bowman does but it's harder to tell what league wide does and that's why i think especially with the athletics some of the stories are, are valuable when, when scott wheeler or cory Promen or or whomever yeah. kind of evaluates how uh, the blackhawks and other teams draft and uh, you know based on that the blackhawks have drafted pretty well especially where they where they have in the past so um i, I think there's certain areas where you can criticize where bowman's done and uh with his uh, maybe some of the trades and signings but also there's areas that they've succeeded in too so i it's uh it's just hard for me to i guess for either one of us to where uh, i mean we have the, the question knowledge of other teams the question i always have for people that want to fire stan and again i get it i mean he you can fight you can justify firing stan bowman right now and you can justify keeping him on you can easily justify either way at this point but who is the guy you're going to replace him with? Who is the next? I mean, this isn't like, you know, Gerard Gallant or Peter Laviolette or Bruce Boudreau is out there. Who's the next great GM? Is it going to be from within? Because the Blackhawks have had so much constancy in the front office. Is it going to be a Norm McIver? Is it going to be, you know, uh, is, it, is it going to be that much different? Uh, who's the next obvious guy? I don't know if there is one. There's not like this, the, the, the one that every like in baseball, there's always like a new, a, a new Theo Epstein that's coming up that everyone like the Chaim Bloom guy that every, they, I think the Red Sox might have signed. There's always somebody, but there's not like an obvious solution here where if you fire Scott, uh, Stan Bowman, there's going to be this great person who's completely ready and proven to walk in right now. I think Breezebois in Tampa was one of those guys, but then Iserman left and now he, he's not going to leave Tampa. So I don't think there's like this. It, it's not as easy as just firing a guy. You have to replace him with someone useful. And I'm not so sure that there's an obvious choice out there. I think people tend to forget about that aspect of it. So, someone, you mentioned something about the possibility of a compliance buyout uh, if the salary cap is. Have you heard anything more about that? I know someone asked about it, and obviously everyone's <laughs> kind of projecting to what it. Uh, you know, if that's an opportunity. Have you uh, the buyout Seabrook? And I don't. Have you seen anything else about that? I haven't seen anything official of that. I mean, I'm, that's that's me talking out of my ass as a as an obvious possibility given this situation. Um, I think that if if the cap stays flat or goes down, I think you might have to give something like that in order to, but that's going to have to be agreed uh, agreed to by the players also. So that's no guarantee that they're going to do that. But that would be one potential avenue to rescue some of these cap-strapped teams. I think a lot of people are speculating about that because every time there's been a lockout, we've had those. Yeah, no, I think that's a fair point. I I think if the cap is, definitely if it's going down and, I think there's a lot of fear that's going to happen too, if they, especially if there's not playoffs. That um, that uh, that's certainly a possibility. Um, someone asked about how you're liking Nintendo Switch. Uh, you know what? I was just playing uh, Legend of Zelda: Breath of the Wild for the last like hour and a half. Um, it's a really good time waster, and the kids love playing Mario Kart. So uh, so far, that was a an excellent. Uh, quarantine purchase. It's it's salvaged us a little bit. The kids have something to do every day, and they actually like watching me play Zelda. So that kills another hour. Then we watch a Marvel movie, and then it's time to go to bed and on to the next day. <laughs> have you uh, have you watched the Tiger King at all? 
I have not. I feel like I'm the only person who hasn't. And I, I can't tell if, if, if everyone freaking out about it makes me want to watch it less somehow. Like, I don't, <laughs> I'm, I just, I, it just doesn't seem like, like, I'm, I'm sure it's absurd and weird and crazy, but uh, there's so much good TV on to catch up on. Like, I'm watching The New Pope. Uh, I'm finally catching up on the second season of that. And that's way more interesting to me than weird tiger people. I don't know. Have you seen it? I I, I started watching the. I, I'm in the two episodes, and, it, and it's pretty good. Um, but I also I'm like, I have like five different shows that I'm working through once, and I can't really keep focus of one, so I've been bouncing. That's it. That, yeah, lot, I, so. you got to pick one at a time. But apparently, my friend I went to I went to Northwestern with Scott Seppich wrote the uh, the Netflix blurbs for each of them, so he's now uh, affiliated oh, really? with the the greatest show in the history of mankind. Apparently, so good for him. Do you have a favorite sports venue to visit when not covering an event? Oh, uh, wow. Um, I like when not covering an event. Okay, that's a big different thing. Uh, I like going to City Field to see the Mets because that's really the only thing I have left that's pure in my fandom, I think. So uh, <laughs> I'm partial to that. I, I do love going to Wrigley, though it has significant drawbacks, especially when you're coming from the suburbs like I am. Um, that, that, that limit the experience and it's difficult with kids a little bit. Um, it doesn't have a lot, although, although I haven't been there in a couple of years. I know they've done a lot of renovation outside of it. Um, but I, I would say city field in New York, that's still my happy place. Yeah. Wrigley's for me. I actually, I hate all the, I hate a lot of the renovations that Wrigley's done. I, especially the scoreboards, but just, it feels, it feels a lot different than it. Uh, where are you seeing all these questions? I am looking at your tweet and not seeing any of these questions. Uh, yeah, I don't. The further down, um, <laughs> you must have a magic. Tour. What arenas have the best, is editing best press box food? Oh, the United Center. I mean, it's United Center has is the only one. United Center is the only press box in the league that has a full meal during the game, um, not just hot dogs or popcorn and snacks, but a full meal in the second intermission. And they feed us downstairs. It's disgusting. I mean, we're all gonna die of you know just eating chicken uh, chicken tenders to death. But it's it's fantastic. <laughs> I, I, everyone loves Montreal too when they uh, they have the hot dogs. Breast hot dogs, yeah. Uh, P- Pittsburgh is very good because Pittsburgh not only do they have soft pretzel nuggets, they have goldfish and they have Snapple, and Snapple is clutch. <laughs> nice. Um, all right, I think a lot of these questions we've kind of handled already. So, all right, on, on, on to the movies. Yes, the important stuff. Important stuff, though. Yeah. So um, I, I have a feeling so you you, you the- and I are very different people. So I have a feeling these are going to be. Uh, not similar lists. <laughs> how, how many were we supposed to pick for each list? I did just three, but I could probably do like a hundred for each of them. That's that's why this is this is okay. too yeah, hard. I, I you should see my list. Like it's all. I also threw it's movies in different categories because I, <laughs> I, I threw movies in different categories. <laughs> I knew it was sort of bending the rules, but I well, just, let's they start they with sports movies because this is uh, this is ostensibly a sports podcast. So what are your what are your what are your favorite sports movies? Th- this one this one was actually one of the harder ones for me because I. It was weird because I know the athletics doing something on sports movies too, and and I was looking through a list, and there's not a lot that I, like I, I just I think of movies when I like is there a movie that if it came on the TV or is it like would I want to watch it or, right? Like I, there's movies that I like when I was younger that you know like I just yeah, I don't know I, it was hard for me, but I, I, I Hoop Dreams was one for me, and I felt like I was cheating a little bit with a documentary because I feel like sometimes the best sports ones are documentaries, but Hoop Dreams was. Uh, it's probably my favorite sports movie. You know, I, I sort of lived uh, lived through a lot of that uh, life just because I, I covered Illinois and Chicago high school basketball pretty closely for about you know five or six, five or six years, and was pretty immersed in that. And uh, got to know Gene Pingator, the St. Joe's coach, who actually he comes off pretty pretty hard in that movie, but he was he was a really nice guy. And 
uh, when I started up my EMAG, uh, Ill Hoops, he was uh, he was always good to me, and you know I wasn't established at that point, and would have me in his office for 30, 40 minutes, and we talk, and um, you know it was uh, yeah I don't that whole movie just kind of that culture and you know the fact that he followed them you know throughout their careers always stuck with me. Are well, we going? Are we my, going through the whole list then, or how are we doing this? Well, just give me two and three real quick. You don't have to have a whole thing. Okay. I, 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 another one was another documentary was Mind the Gap, which is actually uh, a skateboarding movie and from that's uh, based in Rockford. Skateboarding. All right. Uh, it, it's it's really interesting. Like it's it's more it's it's about life and and there's uh, families and domestic abuse and all these things, but it it stems from this relationship with uh, the filmmaker and his friends and and, and skateboarding. Um, after that, I I I don't know. I didn't have like a I like Feel the Dreams. I uh, oh, Feel um, the Dreams is so overrated. Yeah, I don't know. I I, I, so I honestly hacky. couldn't. Uh... <laughs> I got I in know, trouble last week. Just... Uh, I mentioned that I don't. I don't think Hoosiers is a very good movie, and it's not. It's like the schlockiest schlockfest that ever schlocked. And about uh, I, uh, I feel Feel the Dreams kind of has I, that I put, same put... vibe to me. Yeah, no, I put Blue Chips, so that was under my uh, on our. Oh, I love Blue uh, Chips. Guilty That's a good pleasures. One. But I also know it's it's sort of yeah it's it was more of like I know it's how many times movie, do you think how many times do you think Pete, Coach Pete Bell in Blue Chip says the word goddamn? It's like every third <laughs> thing he says has the word goddamn in it. Some sentences have the word goddamn like three or four times in one sentence. It's amazing. It's poetry. I love it. Um, my three were were pretty. <laughs> my, mine are pretty boring. Mainstream ones. They're all baseball movies. Oddly enough, uh, number three is Major League. It's just a classic. Uh, number two is The Sandlot. I love The Sandlot. I can watch The Sandlot. 24 hours a day nonstop and just love it. It's just it's just a perfect little movie. And number one, my favorite movie ever as a kid was The Natural. And it's hard for me to kind of get past the nostalgia aspect for me. I used to watch that all the time. I, I would listen to the soundtrack on the way to Little League games to psych myself up. Um, I have a New York Knights jersey, a Hobbs New York Knights jersey. Uh, in 11th grade, we had to do a term pa- a paper on like a, a, on an American written book. And I chose The Natural by Bernard Malamud, which, by the way... Very different than the movie. Uh, I don't know if you've ever read it, but it is dark. It <laughs> has, uh, the, in, in the end, a uh, spoiler alert here. At the end, instead of hitting a home run in the lights and winning the pennant, he hits a foul ball off Iris's pregnant stomach. She gets carted away, and then he strikes <laughs> out, and that's how the movie, that's how the book ends. Like, holy cow. Oh like, the most iconic baseball ending ever in movie history. Completely, the complete 180 from how the book goes. That is a messed up book, man. Uh, but that is still that's just my favorite. It was it's it's been on a lot lately, and I keep getting sucked into watching the last half hour, and I could just I love it. It's 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 just a beautiful, uh, perfect little slice of baseball Americana. I have to go back and watch that. I haven't watched that in a while. But yeah, I wasn't. Oh, I uh, this was one of the categories I really struggled with. I just that was strange. I, All right, which I, one did you like? Yeah, what do you want to do know. next? Uh, let's do uh, comedies. Okay, you first. You want you want you want to start with your list. All right, I'll start okay. with my, my my number uh, one. My favorite movie I oh, think ever is, uh, and and this was I wasn't sure exactly where it fell, but I, I think it was mostly comedies. Was in Bruges. Um, I, I went to Bruges just because of this this movie, and I probably watched this movie more than any others. And uh, you know, it's a dark uh, dark comedy. Uh, you know, Colin Farrell and uh, Brendan Gleeson, and um, yeah, just uh, it's uh, it's one of my favorite movies, and I I, I continue to watch it and. Um, have not seen Bruges, it. watched uh no oh god i guess i have to uh, you gotta watch in Bruges. so yeah it's uh it, it's it's perfect to me it's just it's uh the humor is amazing and 
it's got some darkness to it, and it's got some Irishness to it, and then uh, Bruges. I was going to say, it's got to have some Irishness to it. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, And then, yeah, my wife and I went to Bruges uh, last year, and uh, made a point of watching in Bruges, in Bruges, and um, it was. I don't uh, even yeah, know where Bruges uh, is. Uh, it's in uh, it's in Belgium. Well, now I know. So, yeah, um, but uh, yeah, it was uh, yeah. No, it's it's my favorite movie. So, uh, my second one was uh, In the Loop, uh, which is a uh, cross uh, American English uh, political movie. Uh, You're comedy. just making shit up now, aren't you? <laughs> it's don't a, actually it, it's the same same guy that did uh death to stalin i don't know if you've seen that i've heard of that one at least yeah uh but yeah yeah they're both but just uh yeah oh wait no i saw death to stalin the... that's with steve buscemi right yeah yep, yep oh that was a great movie i just saw that last year that's a great movie <laughs> yeah so the, he he did in the loop was his uh i think his first movie and it's i, I think it's even better than death to stalin so okay um so it's worth seeing and then from there i i, I, I was uh yeah, I wasn't sure about a third, but Super Troopers was on my list. Uh, Dirty Rotten okay. Scoundrels, High Fidelity. Um, yeah, and then and then my, one of my guilty pleasures was What About Bob too, and that's gonna fit under there too. So I'm um, sailing. Ahoy! Uh, what, do you, what do you got? <laughs> my favorite comedy ever is the South Park movie. Um, it's the most rewatchable movie ever. I think you could just watch it forever. It's so good, and, and it, it's one of those movies. It's one of those like three or four movies. You know, Rocky Four. Bloodsport, Die Hard, and the South Park movies, I think, are the movies that, if it's on, I'm physically incapable of. Uh, <laughs> I mean, I, I'm a musical theater nerd, too. So uh, not only is a South Park movie funny, it's also like a really good musical. The music's really good. It's not just funny. It's, it upholds the structure. It's got nods to other musicals in the past. It's a perfect comedy movie, and I love it. Uh, number two, I've got Young Frankenstein. Uh, you could throw any number of Mel Brooks ones in here, you know, Spaceballs, Blazing Saddles, History of the World Part One. But I'm with Young Frankenstein. It's basically a flawless movie. And number three, I, I could have a hundred different movies here, but I watched Airplane this morning. I thought about putting that on there, but uh, I think I'm going to go with Trading Places. I keep going between Trading Places, Coming to America, but I think I'll go with Trading Places. But on any given day, there could be a hundred different movies in that spot for me. And this didn't make my list, but Borat's the best, the funniest movie I've ever seen in a theater where I like I couldn't stop. Like It, it didn't have like three watchable effects, but... When I saw it the first time in the theater, I, I lost my mind. I just it was, um, but uh, uh, let's see. I, I, see, action was action was the other category that I struggled. I, I need. I think I need just need to watch more action movies. But I uh, this was another movie that probably doesn't fit exactly in this category. But I put Snatch as probably my favorite uh, um, action movie, okay. and this also probably could fit in drama, drama or comedy. But um, yeah, Snatch is one of my favorite movies of all time. One of my rewatchables, and then uh, yeah, after that, I. I guess the Bourne series. I don't know if I have a specific one, but okay. um, I've always enjoyed those. Um, I uh, and, then, and then I was thinking like Zero Dark Thirty, but that doesn't even feel like that action-y. And, um, so I put my, my third one was Despicable Me. Um, <laughs> I love it. I, this, is all, this whole series for me is going to be always like I, I probably started introducing my daughter to it too early. And it was more just so that something that I could... I could watch as well, you know, like I just <laughs> that I found entertaining, and I mean, we probably watched the, the whole series, you know, the, the Minions and the Despicable Me's, uh, you know, hundred plus times over the last uh, two years, and, and there's parts where she still laughs, and I, I I find it entertaining, and I think it's it's funny and and smart, and so I, I think for me, uh, I'm hoping I, I think a new one comes out later this year, so I'm 
you know, hopefully take her to the theater and, you know, hopefully as she grows up, we still go to them. But for me, I think it's always going to be kind of this, this special movie. Uh, just, nice. uh, you know, we spent so much time watching when she was, uh, you know, one, two years old. For me, the best of those modern kids' movies is Wally. Wally is still, that's almost a flawless movie to me. I love it. Uh, my kids I never want to watch it, though. I don't understand that. Wally's great. It's like a silent movie for like the first half of it, and it's great. Um, <laughs> my action movies are a little more straightforward. Uh, die Hard, number one. Every every action movie ever since has been Die Hard in a insert structure here, whether it's a an airplane or a boat or a, you know, a school, whatever you want it to be. It's always Die Hard. Uh, number two is Raiders of the Lost Ark, which is still one of the best movies ever made. Uh, number three, I was torn between Mission Impossible Fallout, which was incredible. Uh, also the John Wick movies, but I went with Mad Max Fury Road. I think that was the best in-theater movie experience I've ever had. I, I had no idea what to expect going into that. I hadn't watched the old Mel Gibson Mad, uh, Mad Maxes, and that movie, I was just blown away. It's just too relentless, two hours on the on the big screen, and the sound and everything. It was just an extraordinary movie-going experience, so uh, Mad Max Fury Road is number three for me. I wish I had seen that in to- the theaters. <laughs> Oh, yeah, there are movies absolutely. like Raiders, Raiders of the Lost Art that I, um, I, I just I don't know if I trust my opinion. Like I I, don't, I haven't watched that since I was a kid. You know, so like there's it a lot holds of up, man. I... It's still really good. Yeah, um, like like, uh, fun, uh, like te- Temple of Doom. Temple of Doom is awful and racist and horrible. Uh, but Raiders of the Lost Ark holds up. It's fantastic. Yeah. It'll be fun introducing her to some of these movies. I know my brother's been doing that with his daughter and just kind of being able to watch these again and figuring out what was good and what was bad. and yeah. what, what Oh, absolutely. So, yeah. uh, all right, Guilty um, Pleasure. Let's do that one. That'll be a fun one. What, what, what are the movies that you're embarrassed to like? Uh, Love Actually. <laughs> nice. Um, <laughs> um, the, uh, yeah, I don't know. The Blue Chips, I thought, but I'm, I'm glad that you liked that too. Cause I no, that's like a that good movie, movie, damn it. God damn it! Um, there, there, there's a there's a movie called Green Street Hooligans. Um, okay. That uh, it's like a hooligan movie, but it has uh, so Elijah Woods, the American journalist, that gets moved to uh, he moves to London and he to live with his sister and his sister's uh, brother-in-law is a, a hooligan and, and and yeah, the whole premise is kind of stupid. And then um, and they they find out that he's a journalist and they all hate him because he's a journo. They say and. Um, it's it, it's it's a it's kind of a dumb movie, but I, I like the whole hooligan factor in it, and for some reason it relates to me. So, it's it's a dumb movie, and but I I do enjoy it. So yeah, I think that was. Uh, and then what about Bob too? Which I, I again, it was. I don't know if it's really a guilty pleasure. I just I couldn't find a spot for it in the other list, so I, I threw it on there. What that, what about you? Mine are, are are I was born in 1980, and so it's no surprise that cheesy like the 1980s. You go back and watch any almost any movie made in the 1980s, short of like Empire Strikes Back. And it makes you cringe a little bit, like just how cheesy everything was. But I love so many of them. For me, it's easy. It's Rocky Four, number one. It was on this afternoon. I was watching it again. My four-year-old's like, why are they punching each other? I'm like, they're doing it because communism is bad. And <laughs> it's the greatest propaganda movie ever. It's the greatest music video ever. I love it. It's awful and it's fantastic. Uh, number two for me is The Running Man with Arnold Schwarzenegger. Uh, just a great movie. I could watch that movie all day long. Whatever it always, it always seems to pop on at like one in the morning, and then I'm stuck watching it till three in the morning. Uh, number three, I love this movie, but I'm not, I'm now ashamed of it because apparently it's Donald Trump's favorite movie, uh, which I don't <laughs> like that fact. But it's Bloodsport with Jean Claude Van Damme and the Kumite. That is just awesome, terrible, 
brilliant 80s cheese everything about it the music the the bad guys the just the the everything about it is so hilariously awesome and awful at the same time and uh that's 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 like the ultimate guilty pleasure movie for me is blood sport i just hate that trump you ever see the movie uh running scared no it's with uh gregory hines and billy crystal and i think they're chicago cops and I feel like it, it fit this category. I, I haven't watched it in a long time, so I'm, I'm curious how it holds up. But it was always, I feel like it has some of that Billy Crystal for the record, in it. And for the record, I don't like the term guilty pleasure. Same, I don't like the term fan service either. If you like it, then like <laughs> it, and who gives a shit what anyone else thinks about it? You you created these categories, by the way. I did. I'm a hypocrite. All right, last. <laughs> let, let's just get to the actual good movies now. What's what are the the, the three best dramas? Which theoretically would mean the three best movies made, but we'll see. Yeah. Um, again, in Bruce would probably fit this one, but anyways, my three. Mm-hmm. I put the Insider. Um, I, Ooh, I think one. it's my favorite journalism movie. I, I, That's I, a good one. I love broadcast news and I love Spotlight, and um, but I think the Insider is you know it's one that's on my. I probably have like five or six movies on my uh, my iPad that I have saved for movie trips and stuff like that, for uh, plane trips, and um, that's one of them. And I I always go back to that one. Uh, going back to the Irish stuff, uh, in name of the father. Which is a uh, IRA uh, type movie with Daniel Day Lewis. Uh, probably my favorite of that sort of genre. There's also a movie called The Boxer that Daniel Day Lewis is in, uh, based in, uh, in North Ireland. That's really good. But the name of the father's up there. Um, and then I was kind of torn too. There were uh, a couple uh, foreign films. There was a series called Blue, White, and Red um, that was really good. And the, the movie Red was, was especially good. It was my favorites. And then there's a movie called The Prophet, another foreign film that was sort of a, a gangster. Uh, uh, European movie, and then the last one I was Memento, and um, that's one of my rewatchables oh, too. Where I can, um, so, um, so there's that, a bunch of them, but I, I think, uh, uh, yeah, I, w- I was torn with the journalism movie because I wanted to put one on there, and I, I think the Insider is one I always kind of go back to. See, you're so, you're, I, I'm so mainstream, and you're so with all these like independents. It's just like with music, it's the same thing. <laughs> um, the new Pearl Jam album, by the way, is great, and everybody should should get it. Is it okay? Uh, for I, will, me, I will listen to it. It, it is. It is quite good. This, it is. It, it's really good. Uh, mine, I mean, number one, I, it's so cliche, but it's The Godfather. It's the best movie ever made, and it's fantastic, and it still works, and it's just this, just a perfect movie. Uh, number two, I, I, I put Goodfellas, which I love, but I feel like putting two mob movies at the start is a bit much. <laughs> um, for three, I, I had Spotlight. It was one, one of my ones were there, but I, I, I ultimately went up with The Dark Knight, um, which I think qualifies as a drama. I know it's a superhero movie, but it's it's one of the more grown-up if you could have a grown-up superhero movie that would be one of them <laughs> but i was torn i really wanted to put the truman show on there or the social network um yeah but I, I really social network it, was one of the ones i considered too i i could put again i could put like 100 i, I hate I, I hate narrowing these things down because it's so hard because i mean i watch a lot of movies I, I you know i go to movies between uh morning skates and games um, I, I i see like 35 or 40 movies in the theater every year so I have just in this, and, and and so many of them are good. Like we're in this this peak golden age of 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 entertainment, of TV and movie making. That you know, it's it's it feels almost criminal to try to narrow it down to a to a short list like this. Yeah, it was sort of strange. Sir. I, when I was going through the list, I found that most of the movies though were a little bit older. That it was like a lot of my favorite shows are probably more within the last you know five years or so, and the movies felt a little bit older than that. Where the, there's some really good movies now, but I. I don't know for whatever reason. I, maybe it's just I'm not seeing. Well, TV as many movies, used to but... be just awful. I mean, TV before The Sopranos was just awful. I mean, 
Anyone, anyone thinking otherwise is looking at it through like nostalgia glasses. Like anything from <laughs> right, like, yeah. even if you watch like comedies, like Taxi, some of them are really funny, but it's, the laugh tracks are just insufferable. Like the the difference between like a laugh track comedy and a single camera comedy, it's it's I can't get past it. So and, and dramas, like you watch like the A Team. I used to love the A Team. It's freaking awful. Who could watch this <laughs> crap? This is like the most popular Night Rider. Oh my god, TV used to be so bad. It's so it's so good now. Thank God for TV or this quarantine would be uns- yeah. insufferable. I know it's crazy. Um, All right, real quick. Yeah, this, we'll this is, to... this is, let, let's close on a hockey note. What's your favorite hockey movie? I think it's got to be Slapshot. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I, 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 I used to love Youngblood, but then I watched it recently, and it's not very good. <laughs> I don't know if I've seen that or not. The uh, Rob Lowe. Uh, it, it was, it's very, another, very, another very 80s movie. Um, I okay. think I would go with Miracle. Miracle's a really good movie. Like, yeah. it's... Like the action, like that's the first movie that's ever gotten like actual hockey action that looks like hockey action. So I'm partial to Miracle. Um, yeah, yeah. I think for Slapshot, there's like a it just it, it feels like it stands up in some way too. Right? I I still enjoy watching it. And oh yeah, um, it's part of the culture. In the uh, in the movie Death of Stalin, they have a slate hockey. Like there's like a I don't know if you remember. It's like 30 seconds, but uh, it's. Uh, one of the guys, he accidentally, had, one of the, the Russian hockey team had, I guess, it was killed in like a plane crash, and they, and the guy that was in charge of it, uh, you know, didn't want to tell anyone, so he had all these fake players out there, and they're doing like the <laughs> hockey scene, and, and and no one's able to skate and stuff, and, and he goes on the ice, and he and he's like, you shoot it, you pass it, you 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 stick on it. Just it's one of my favorite scenes in the movie, but um, we'll have to do uh, maybe we'll do TV shows here next few weeks. So we can uh, oh, that's, give our, that's like, my we just milieu. came up with this. Yeah, we just came up this uh, pretty pretty quickly, so it'll give us some more time to kind of. Because I'm sure there's movies that I'm gonna even remember after we get off of here that I. Oh, that I'm 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 gonna, I'm gonna be banging my head against the wall in like 20 minutes, going, I can't believe I forgot <laughs> about whatever. Um, so no, this is good. It was a nice change of pace. I, I think yeah. uh, uh, we certainly need this too. So. All right. Well, uh, until next week. Sounds good. All right. I will. Uh, yeah, I'll talk to you next week. We'll talk to you next week. And this is uh, I'm Scott Powers, and he's Mark Lazarus, and this is Laz and Powers, and we'll talk to you soon. Stay home. Won't you let me try?